0: Hello, it's Michael here. This is just a quick note before we get properly into the episode, which is going to focus on the amazing person and performer, uh, Helen McCrory. When we set up the podcast and we want to celebrate actors who, for one reason or another, were not getting the parts that we thought they truly deserved, while also shining on screen already, Helen McCrory was top of that list. So we actually recorded this. This is the third episode. We did it in March. Sadly, two weeks later, Helen passed in mid-April, and we shelved it. We weren't quite sure what we were going to do with it. But as time has passed, and as we re to it and thought about Helen, um, it just felt clear that we should be putting this out there, celebrating her work, and encouraging people to watch her films. And we hope that you enjoy the episode.
1: I want to know everything there is to know about you
2: introduce me you must have spotted her by now she's always there don't i deserve love somebody has to like me best
0: welcome to the don't know her podcast i'm michael and i'm scott and we talk about actors that we feel um are underappreciated or overshadowed somewhat in the film industry and people that we also happen to love isn't that right scott
1: that's absolutely right, Michael. We loved him.
0: And today we have uh, someone I hope we both love very much, I know I do, uh, Helen McCrory.
2: So, off to see your girlfriend? Now, now. You know, I hope she shows you some respect this time. It's quite a debt of gratitude she owes you. Mr Saviour of the Monarchy.
0: Helen is probably best known to people for her roles in Harry Potter or James Bond in Skyfall. Um, that sounds like she is James Bond in Skyfall. <laughs> she that is James she Bond is in not...
1: Skyfall. <laughs> Helen McCrory was James Bond in Skyfall.
0: <laughs> she's Harry Potter. She's James Bond. She's all these yeah, people. It
1: was such a time no. no.
0: Um, and <laughs> You know, people... People would know Helen from, you know, Peaky Blinders or Harry Potter and James Bond and all this sort of thing. But um, Helen has been working steadily from like 1990, where she was um, in Harrogate Theatre. Is that how you, Harrogate? Harrogate. In Harrogate. <laughs> Harrogate. Uh, and she, um, I've never been, but I, I'm sure it's lovely. lovely. Um, and then quickly seemed to go to. You know london working in the national theater and things like trelawney with the, and the wells uh, sorry trelawney off the wells Um uh getting her first film part as whore number two in a um, number two in interview with the vampire but she did a, a, mostly do a lot of uh, stage and tv work you know obviously the queen was a big moment for her film career in 2006 Um, And she's done a a good bit of film, TV and stage since then. But it does seem like on film, you know, there's things like Harry Potter and Skyfall and things like smaller things like A Little Chaos, Their Finest, Loving Vincent. But it's stage and TV where recently she's been able to flex her acting muscles in things like Medea at the National Theatre or the Deep Blue Sea. And on TV, I mean, Everyone seems to be watching um, Peaky Blinders, where she does, like, she's a brummy matriarch. And, yeah, people just generally see, like, oh, I'm excited to see her on TV or do anything she wants to, but it does frustrate me she doesn't get more to do in film because she does, and why I'm glad you came up with, or you suggested her for this, um, she does have this star quality. Like, her presence, like, on a red carpet, she arrived at the Skyfall premiere And you'd swear she was the star. Like she was James Bond or she was a Bond girl. But instead she plays, you know, a relatively small part of the home secretary. Um, Sorry, small part in the film. In real life, that's a very significant part to play. (laughs) But yeah, she, so she's really fun. I just love watching her and I just love, I don't know, I feel lucky to have her. Like she comes into a film and even if it's like a very flimsy sort of part, she seems to inject enough like personality into it to make it feel real and to make it feel kind of better than it probably is on paper.
1: Oh, definitely. No, she is radiant. She does uh, give that star quality she she elevates things big time she's a, she's an elevator and i don't mean like a, a lift but um.
0: <laughs> well, she lifts but on that point she does lift her co-stars she, like watching these does. films she is an elevator for her co- like <laughs> some of these films they give her like bad wigs or bad cost or not bad but like not the best like they're catering to other people more mm. so it seems no, I love and it. she is she is still delivering and yet it's her co-stars that get the Credit. Exactly. It's like, ping,
1: Helen McCrory's here. How far can I take you?
0: Yeah. And I think writers and directors probably do think of her in that way. Do you know, like, I, I mean, if you were sitting down and be like, okay, we have this role of, you know, someone that's a, a mother or wife or judge or prime minister or whatever it is that is going to get us from here to here and has to change the tone and has to do all these yeah. things. Like, she will deliver. She's great. Yeah, she
1: will. She will. That's it. You get her signed up for that, and that's what a lot of people do. The role's only two minutes. We feel embarrassed to ask, but we need Helen. We need Helen to come in and lift the shit out of this tiny little part.
0: And she lifts shit. She's a grafter, and she does well. So uh,
1: I chose to do Helen for this week's edition. And I guess normally the gist with choosing someone is would would be because they they are incredibly special to you and or they, they bring you all the warm and fuzzies. I can't say that that is the case with Helen McCrory, but, but that is no bad thing. It, she is someone to me who stands out whenever she is on screen. I have not seen her on the stage. I have seen a filmed production of something she did on stage. But for me, it is... Just something about when she is there on screen, she makes her mark and therefore she really sort of felt like a fitting choice for this podcast because in terms of her film work, certainly, I would have anticipated there to be a lot more of it considering the weight that she has brought to the theatre and tv in say the past five or so years um, she's been incredibly present on british tv over the past handful of years In you know like you said piggy blinders mother father son fearless penny dreadful quiz the show about who wants to be a millionaire that was on during the pandemic which was totally great and she's also a voice of a daemon in the his dark material series so she has a lot going on there and is doing really good stuff but that doesn't translate to cinema, right? It's there there's a lot of high-profile films here, but but she is um quite often a, a blink and you miss it situation.
0: Yeah, she is um I mean she she is someone for me that I would not miss her, maybe as whore number two in her first role, but like lately even in some of the films watching, like where she like pops up for a second, like Charlotte Gray. She is someone that the film, um, she's crucial to the film's uh, narrative. She kind of kickstarts that beginning or basically the the middle of that film. Um, And she's quite memorable for me. She's very memorable. Yeah. So I find her, I find it interesting that the roles haven't really been given to her when she has proven herself so talented on stage and as you say on uh, the small screen um, like watching for this podcast some of those tv shows i've only watched a few episodes of mother father son and roadkill where she played the prime minister uh, with okay. you, laurie um last year and um she's terrific like she's not they're shared she's not the lead in those tv shows but whenever she's on it like the show just to me is magnetic and mm. I guess that's why I don't forget her. I find her presence very um I don't know, electric.
1: Yeah, or oh no, that's like what that. I mean. I when I say blink and you miss it, I don't mean because she's forgettable. She's the opposite of forgettable. It's because she ain't given the time. As we so often see. But what 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 is your first memory of Helen McCrory Where where did she first capture you?
0: I mean my first memory, um, and you've already told me before we started recording that I don't say this title right. So I'm just going to refer to it as Martin <laughs> Scorsese's family film about an orphan child. <laughs> no, go on. Say It's so much more fun. Hugo. Hugo? <laughs> Hugo? I don't know if it's my Irish accent or what it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, just go with it. it. You... Michael says Hugo.
1: You so let's just let him say Hugo, Hugo. for
0: a while. Okay. Okay, so Hugo. I absolutely love Hugo. I I would have known Helen before before the Queen, and um, and you know admired her performance and all that sort of stuff. And we'll talk about that film more, as it seems quite uh, integral to her film career. But Hugo is where like I fell in love with that movie and fell in love with her part in it. So Hugo is a story of a young boy, and um, who is an orphan who lives in a train station and stumbles into uh, the kind of the preserving of film history, really. And um, it is like this gorgeous film to me, and it's very heartfelt. And Helen McCrory plays the wife of, how would you, how would you describe, I'm going to put it to you, that's so unfair. <laughs> I just also, I have her name written down. How do you say her name? She is the wife of
1: pioneering filmmaker um, George Mel. George, George Mel. You don't say Mel. you say Melier? Oh, George Melier. That's exactly it.
0: So Helen McCrory's playing the the wife of George Melier. She kind of she you know herself and her husband have. You know left departed their um connection to film um and they want to forget about it because it's, it's heartbreaking um, and she was an actress in his films and the um not that the film hugo cares that much about her story but she really is there as a gatekeeper between hugo's kind of ploy to you know reconnect george melier with his films and that's a really long-winded way but that is what is going on in the movie
1: no but that's fair enough because I th- it, I don't think it's an easy film to describe. There's a lot going on. This is Martin Scorsese juggling a lot of things at once. Um but it's it's charming, man. It's it's a really fun one. I hadn't watched Hugo since it came out and could barely remember bits of it except perhaps the tone and it's really charming. It's really sweet. It's a good one. I I really enjoy its sort of capturing of French fantasy type cinema. It really sort of echoes things like Amelie. It has that sort of vibe to it. It's it was a really enjoyable watch, yeah. But Helen again is yeah, so she has a a very integral role in this movie. This, she's certainly more present in this film than she is in other ones. But again, she doesn't drop in for a bit, but at the moment she she comes into the picture. As this character, the wife of George Melies, she she turns things around, and that's the point at which the the film changes from the a tale of a boy into one which is sort of veering towards the birth of cinema, basically. Um, and she's sort of there to to be a catalyst in the film, and you would want Helen McCrory as a catalyst in your film. So I. Full respect for that casting choice.
0: Yeah, she. But once she turns into like, oh my god, you have one of George's films, and they sit down and watch it, and it's her reaction and everyone's reaction to her watching it. It's like this gateway into cinema. You are an actress, a real cinema actress. It's impossibly romantic, woman. It wasn't like
2: that. They weren't movie stars like they have today, but we did have fun.
0: And then she's the one that goes to Ben Kingsley as George Melies and
2: says, George, you've tried to forget the past for so long. It's brought you nothing but unhappiness. Hmm. Maybe
0: it's time to try and remember. Uh, cue me crying in the cinema. I saw. I think I saw it twice in the cinema and hadn't seen it until now. And I think my memory is like, oh, this is not as good as I remember. Okay. But I loved it. I loved it. I like, oh, and the music, Harry short score. It's really and, great. And we should say, Helen, Helen is way too young to be playing this part in reality. But they've cast her, this is before the de-aging technology of the Irishman for Scorsese. So they decided, so Helen is around 45, I think about this point. Ben mm. Kingsley much, much older. Um, and They're supposed to be similar age. But Helen plays both um, present day Mrs. Millier and the actress in the film. So I assume the, pla- the idea was she would be able to be convincingly in her 20s and convincingly in her 60s, 70s? I don't know what age she's supposed to be. Yeah, no, it? that's
1: that's interesting. I wouldn't say convincingly, but also not not because she wasn't doing it. I don't think the hair and makeup was trying to make her look much older than late 50s type. So no, no, compared no. with Ben Kingsley, I, I just assumed, so you might be correct that there, they were meant to be a similar age. I just assumed that there was supposed to be a 20 or 30 year age gap between the
0: two of them. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Sorry. It's just from the from as you have pointed out, Um, I don't think it's very convincing, the aging of Helen McCrory. And she does this like arched kind of back. So I love her, I like her performance, but the arched back and kind of the wig give away <laughs> or suggest that we're supposed to think she's an old, older woman. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Yes. No, of course, enough, definitely. But, yeah. Yeah. So she, 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 <laughs> and, and, <laughs> why not? and actually that part she does you know invest a lot you can imagine like an older i don't know an older woman playing that part and it would automatically be emotional to watch somebody an elderly person reflect on yeah it. But ellen delivers all of that regardless of the bad week and but regardless of the, uh, i don't know if you call it movement or or um <laughs> her archbackness um which you know anyway she does well and she is obviously very convincing as a young woman in these uh silent pictures and to be working with scorsese and i know the so the cast is pretty full-on in terms of people that would be ripe for uh this podcast so you have like france de la Tour, you have emily mortimer you have a uh, christopher lee who i would hope most people would know and you've Sasha Baron Cohen Baron Cohen Sasha mm-hmm. Car- what is his name yeah <laughs> Sasha Cohen <Baron-Cohen. Karen> <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Isla Fisher himself as the train yeah, master and um, and whoever plays his dog he's a great performer is that done um, and as well um Chloe Moretz in probably her least annoying performance i mean i don't mind her in general <laughs> oh, i just no, feel like people annoying. don't is she? She is. Mm-hmm. She's very precocious. Um, she plays the grandchild of Helen McCrory and Ben Kingsley. Um, and she does say a lot of um irritating things, but but I don't mind it because she's very sweet natured. Like she's oh giddy. yeah, no, she is fine in this. No, 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 she's sort of charming. She in this
1: one, she is using. That energy which which makes her sort of precocious and other things more so. I think that's mm. sort of weird. Um, it's because Chloe Grace Moretz's acting teacher is her brother and it just screams it in everything else she does. but here that that energy's harnessed very well and and it works.
0: She's also connect or linked with a young like a boy who might have the energy of her brother. like you know, there's something about that dynamic between herself and um, asha Asha Butterfield. How do you say his name? Oh,
1: thank you. that's a good question. I don't think I've ever said it out loud. Asa Butterfield. Asa. Must be Asa, I think. Yeah, he, yeah he's Asa great. But... He's good in
0: it, too. For As a child actor, he's the lead in a film. Um, yeah. But the one, the, the other thing about Hugo, before we move on, is um, watching, and particularly Helen's performance, is in lockdown, like not going to the cinema, watching a character reconnect with cinema is is quite um kind of euphoric sort of feeling I don't know if you felt the same way watching her like emotionally connect with that screen I was like this is how like this is how it's going to feel being reconnected with cinema ourselves and um, so my nostalgic my nostalgia really came to the fore watching Hugo this time
1: yeah i can I can completely understand seeing Hugo and having that moment. With Helen, I don't know why I couldn't remember her in this. Really, I couldn't, which is just suggests that I couldn't really remember as much of Hugo as I thought I could. Well, um, what did you remember?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like not not a lot, but to be honest, I preferred it. I I I remembered it being good, but I certainly enjoyed it more than I thought I would. But no, I think that was the thing with Helen for me is that I. I can't remember her in a few films that I have seen before until, say, Harry Potter came out. And, And she's a really small role in Harry Potter. She plays Draco Malfoy's mother, Narcissa Malfoy. And interestingly, she was asked to be Bellatrix Lestrange, I think. But because she was pregnant at the time... The part went to Helena Bonham Carter, and that makes so much sense to me. As I was going back and watching a lot of her stuff, and I didn't really look at Harry Potter again until today, I kept seeing Helena Bonham Carter. I kept being like, This is, these two feel like they're doing similar things. They're going and playing these kind of more severe type gothic-inflected, sometimes, characters, uh, and and then in between that, a lot of period characters. And, and there's a similar energy to them. When you watch them being interviewed, there's a similar energy to them both. <laughs> they look quite similar, so I'm not surprised that they're then ultimately cast as sisters in Harry Potter. But I did remember her quite vividly in Harry Potter, she turns up and she's just so striking. It's Helen McCrory's eyes. She, mm-hmm. To me, she has this steeliness, this sort of ferocity in her eyes, and and there's something tangibly dangerous about her, and I don't think that is true. I think she's probably a, a quite a soft person. I'm not sure. But what I get from her is a dangerous energy, like a, it, it could flip. But in stuff like Harry Potter, it's, it's something which is which is there on the surface? It's sort of simmering away behind the eyes, but she's actually very vulnerable and desperate in Harry Potter. But is barely there, and up against Helena as Bellatrix is is complete background noise. Quite frankly, like there is, you don't stand a chance. Nobody in the room with Helena Bonham Carter as Bellist- Bellatrix Lestrange in Harry Potter stands a chance. They, I mean, she is she is dialed up and and going for it. So. Heck, she's good enough to have been remembered by me, but it's just something about her energy. And it is that thing. And and she definitely uses that, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not the biggest Harry Potter um I don't want to say fan because I am a, a fan. I'm just not like a diehard. But sure. I did spend a few years with a partner who was a diehard fan and a sister of mine is a diehard fan. And mm-hmm. um, so feel like I've been I've done the studio. I've done all the, I like I'm ingrained in the Harry Potter. Sure. Lore. And the way people would talk about that character and my memory, be- maybe because of all this kind of chat is like oh well helen must have had a huge part like i only remembered the very end where she um she's asked to confirm whether or not harry potter is dead yes and she prioritizes her son malfoy and and asking if he's okay knowing like knowing harry potter is alive and tells all of the you'll know the correct terms and i don't want people to come at me but the voldemort's gang she tells them Harry is dead <laughs> so she can go and save Malfoy, is it? So it's yeah. a very, you know, that is a key part. And um, because she's tricked everybody and the, all the bad guys and um, and she has so little time to convey, like, I'm uh, this makes sense. I Even though I've been labeled a villain, I'm going mm-hmm. to behave in this way and you're going to believe it. And I think it is, it's probably, as you say, like her, this sort of like, why would you question her authority? She has yeah. this sort of presence, which is, which she does in, in a lot of things. But even when it's a kind of dialed down to like a casualness and like Sherry Blair, there is a, a, a determination or a confidence there, which really, you know, I don't know how you could cross that. Um, yeah. And you're right. i like going back to what you said said, like, that's interesting, Helena Bonham Carter. I would much rather to have seen Helen McCrory at Bellatrix Lestrange. I think Helena, I love Helena Bonham Carter. I mean, who wouldn't? But
2: Mm.
0: she, she, I think, like, Helen McCrory could have been a bit scarier. Like, I think that part could have been a bit more nuanced with Helen McCrory. For sure. Um, for sure, which is, I mean, I don't. I'm not a diehard fan, as I said. So who am I to say Harry Potter? The films are like <sighs> torture, almost to me, because I'm like, oh yes, look at that cast list. We've got like Fiona Shaw and Emma Thompson and Maggie Smith and Imelda Staunton, and um, Gemma Jones, Shirley Henderson. But you know, really, sometimes they're not even in it, or they're in the background. So, um, I'm not watching it really to see see. Some of my favourites excel. Um, Sure. And that's fair enough. (laughs) Unless it's Imelda. Imelda walking around a zumbridge. Honestly, what a great role that was. Um, Yeah, no,
1: of course. You got plenty from it. But then speaking of, like, Bellatrix, I guess that brings us really neatly onto Cherie Blair. um, And (laughs) uh, Helen's work in Stephen Freer's The Queen, the... We could call it a biopic um, from 2006. Is that right? Yeah,
0: yeah. And yeah, I'd say yes to the biopic um, and yes to 2006.
1: Yes, it is 2006. Well, it yeah, is yeah,
0: about, it's, yeah. a, it's about Tony Blair coming into power at a time where di- Princess Diana tragically died, um, and the Queen's response was very. Um, traditional or by the books and had no emotion. So it was about them working together to try and um, not have the people cut off her head as Sherry Blair, played by Helen McCrory, very much thinks um, they should be. Um, take off their heads, tear down the monarchy. She is very casually like anti-establishment. Um, yes. In a great yeah. way.
2: Know, maybe this time people will finally have seen them what they actually are. Which is? A bunch of freeloading, emotionally retarded, nutters. <sighs> That's just absurd. Why? They have a ludicrous cocoon of privilege and wealth. I mean, they don't pay tax. Uh, yes, they do. Not on all their income. The Queen alone costs us what? 30, 40 million a year. Look, if you want to have a serious conversation about, I do. about the Constitution, we don't have one. About ways in which we as a government could phase out. Hereditary privileges, then fine. If you're going to leave, will you take the plate?
0: I would say that my main memory of Sherry Blair before what watching it was her shallow curtsy, which watching it now, so the, the Queen as a whole, I don't know how you felt about it, but at the time I thought this is a great film, really enjoyed it, like really well-crafted, top-notch. Watching it now, I feel, <laughs> I just feel some of it, you know, Helen McCrory walking backwards to me is like a is like a parody of somebody being an actor being Sherry Blair or Helen Mirren walking around sometimes is a parody of someone being the queen like a I don't know how you describe it like a a troll like kind of (laughs) waddle from one side to the other I mean there's I'm not saying any of the performances are bad but the details to them sometimes are like What like this is not as good as um as I thought. I would have I would said it would compared to say the Crown or something. I would have said this was amazing, but I think that it makes sense that they're all connected to me.
1: Yeah, oh, completely. It's yeah, 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 yeah. Because then you can sort of compare what they're doing in this film to things that are going on in the Crown, and actually the Crown is going way heavy hand more. More heavy-handed with their approach to um, takes on the likes of Margaret Thatcher and such. But did you go back and have a look at Sherry at all? Did you? Because because I I you you've spoken before about the physicality of um, Helen's performance in the Queen, and it's certainly that there is a way that she holds herself, and, and it is quite particular. Um, but if you watch Sherry Blair she does hold herself like that. And she has got this sort of very active head. She's When she talks, it can be quite bobble-headed. And it's sort of this raised shoulder yeah. bobble-headedness, which is what Helen is doing <laughs> in the Queen. But, uh, yeah. but even more, but she really went in on this. I, I was listening again to her Desert Island Discs, <laughs> and she says that, she studied cherry blair like david attenborough studied the apes to do this part so she was really intentionally leaning in on these things and i guess at moments it's it can maybe look look a bit peculiar um but yeah. i i really think it's good i like what she was bringing she brought really fun energy
0: she made cherry blair like kind of fun to me oh she was a who i mean I think maybe it's like the crown fatigue and, you know, the recent stuff with like, with the Royal family, just, I I wouldn't have, I think it's safe to say that I'm not uh, the biggest fan of the Royal family. Um, So Sherry Blair coming in and being this kind of almost, you could say voice of reason, but the antagonist, she's the one saying to Tony Blair who loves the Royals, it seems she's like, why are they there, they cost us this, you know, she should be saying thank you to you. She has a lot of very valid points. Um, and she delivers them well. I mean, I I can't say I have actually uh, studied um, Sherry Blair's um, movements as much as Helen did. But I did watch a few clips after you told me to. And I do see, you know, the head movements, the things like that I get. I mean, I don't know what it is about curtsies, but anyway, this got me into like a big rabbit hole that I loved. Um, Because then I, like, I wouldn't be able to curtsy now because now I have it in my head. Like, how do you curtsy? Uh, oh,
1: yeah. No, I wouldn't. know. I really must get on that train. I wasn't, I know they make a big gag of it. That Like the, the biggest sherry gag in in the Queen is, their, is her shallow curtsy. But I didn't think to go and have a look. So I must go and... Check out Sherry um, dropping it for the Queen. <laughs> Let's just see oh how she does
0: it. and then Theresa Tr- May always worth it. Always oh, worth it.
1: Always, yeah. whether it's curtsies, dancing, it's all fabulous. <laughs> oh,
0: but but, but people
1: obviously thought it was very good. I mean, twenty ten, the pair of them. Yeah, they they revisit uh, their roles. That being uh, Michael Sheen as Tony Blair and Helen as Sherry in the special relationship.
0: So. You know, it would have made sense. She was in the Queen. She would have got Belatrix Lestrange. Strange, and she would have perhaps her career. We, you know, she wouldn't be included in this podcast, and we don't know what would would have happened. Um, but from in, you know, instead of that happening, um, she did go. So from the Queen, which was her kind of big moment, she was in Becoming Jane, um, as Mrs. Radcliffe. That is Jane Austen's biopic with Anne Hathaway. Um, where she bitched about being in Ireland and it raining the whole time when she was filming, so that was a pill that was hard to swallow <laughs> for poor Anne Hathaway. Um, Ireland doesn't always rain, just FYI, but it did for Anne Hathaway. Um, then she was in flashbacks of A Fool. She did make it into Harry Potter and Half Blood Prince as Narcissa Malfoy. Was a voice in Fantastic Mr. Fox from Wes Anderson, so that's mm, pretty cool. Yeah, did more Harry Potters. Did you go? Um and then really the, the next next batch of films is a really interesting mix of like Skyfall. So she she essentially has one scene, again, for me steals it. Like her line about
2: You'll forgive me for not putting up the bunting. I find it rather difficult to overlook the monumental security breaches and dead operatives for what you are almost single handedly responsible. Like I love her her versus Judy Dench's M
0: is amazing. Yeah so great like a big movie she has a you know good enough kind of part in it then she's in you know a little chaos um in kind of a biggish part yeah and then a woman in black in in a kind of supporting part a time kind of nothing part but clearly was there for a lot of filming because she's she's responsible for a group of kids who are leaving london during the blitz um it's a horror movie. I highly do not recommend that. No, um, it's really, boring. She she played Queen Elizabeth I in Bill. Where if you want to watch, like, uh, she did not study um, the, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth I for this. Uh, she okay. I don't know who she studied. Some. It reminds me of you remember in Blackadder, like his psychic who was always like dirty and stuff. Like that's Baldrick. the sort of vibe. Baldric, yeah. What it really? really like, you know, you mean? Instead of actually
1: Queen Elizabeth from Blackadder, not not the not the Miranda Richardson vibe. No, no. Vibe. Because, oh
0: my God, my memory of Miranda Richardson as a kid in that is she was stunning, like no, like glamorous and sexy. <laughs> no, okay, Helen McCrory is going into kind of gruesome. And I then think... their finest in another kind of small part in an ensemble, and loving Vincent another small part, and that's it. But yeah. these films, like I like a little chaos, is interesting because her mate Alan Rickman, um, it was his passion project, and apparently he really wanted her for this part.
1: Oh, okay, that makes sense then, right? It's you it's a fun the- part, yeah. I really, really liked a little chaos, and I think I am um, uh, probably swimming against the 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 tide on on feeling on that one. Um, I watched it on a Sunday afternoon, and that was. Fabulous. I thought it was a good time. Were you drinking? No, no, it just, it just really, I don't know. It just, I think the pacing of it and everything worked. She has the best part in it. Like, well, so a little chaos is it's, um, about a gardener in, in, I don't even know what era you would call it. The era of what, what king was it? Louis the. Uh, historical
0: accuracy doesn't seem to be something <laughs> yourself or the film care about so um, it's
1: it's the uh, when the, the gardens at Versailles were, were first coming into their own uh, Kate Winslet plays a gardener who gets recruited by uh, an architect who is working on the palace to bring her vision to the gardens uh, at the Palace of Versailles, and with that, there is um, some
0: romantic uh,
1: going on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but explain who who is her boss. Like this is this is the key. This is basically the reason I watched the film when it came out, and probably one of the reasons I enjoyed it at all this time. <laughs> so, uh,
1: Matthias Schoenaerts is that how you say his name? Yeah, Matthias Schoenjotz. Uh He is playing the architect, and that man's a dish. So I'm guessing that's what such a dish. A
0: little chaos. Well, um, no, there's a lot going on in it, but yeah, he 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 is a he's a draw. He's a, he's a dish and a draw into mm. the films. Um, okay, well, a little chaos is um, an interesting. I don't don't really know how to just. I I don't know how. Like, what is the tone of a little chaos? Because it's kind of like Shohala meets not sense sensibility, but there is kind of an edge to it that is kind of going for a seriousness. Yeah, at the same time, is very twee.
1: It's that yeah. It's that Sunday afternoon British type um, film. It's drizzling outside. You want to feel a little bit warmed. (laughs) You want something engaging, but not that you have to think a huge amount about. And you get a little chaos. It's just very, it's very gentle. It's a gentle film. The conflict never really rises to anything which is going to throw you um, for
0: for six weeks. The title is called A Little Little, Little Chaos. A Little Chaos. Like, exactly... So how could somebody like me be like, I, I need a little bit more chaos for this film to make sense? Because the, again, Helen McCrory is the antagonist. She is married to Matthias um, and she sees him at the window talking to Kate Winslet. And you were talking about her eyes before, but the daggers she is throwing. So she comes in really elaborately to Matthias when he's like sitting down looking at plants. like
2: What he's studying that's so important. Some plans. Versailles. Are these the drawings that woman brought to the house? They are. I see. I'm the expert. You're merely the gardener. However grand. Without me to promote your interests, well, use your famous imagination.
0: She calls him like you're just a gardener. I'm in charge, but do we have any like as a viewer? We don't have any reason to believe that apart from her kind of gaslighting him, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's that's it. <laughs> she definitely is uh, gaslighting him.
0: But she's like sleeping around. She well, and she's also paying for people to sleep with her. Yeah, she's doing a lot of great things. She's wearing. <laughs> you know, quite a bad wig, quite cheap looking jewellery. So I'm, I'm kind of insinuating that this character is just there's nothing positive about her but Helen is giving it like a flavour of like a playfulness and like she's she's kind of desperate for power or some kind of um, I don't know, some purpose in her life um, but the highlight of the film um is her confrontation, her little confrontation with Kate Winslet <laughs> yeah. in the, the garden that Kate Wins has been working on. Kate is alone. I don't know how Helen McCrory in her big dress, like surprisingly turned up in the garden. to surprise Kate.
2: You're a widow, I believe. How lonely that must be. I've known for some time that Andre had some secret happiness, but my husband's ambitions are married only to mine. You're not the first diversion. And I believe at the moment, not the only one. You will come and you will go. Understand me, madame. It
0: suits my husband and I this way. And then in in a really strange way, she like gets really close to him, which take uh, to her, to Kate Winslet, which takes a long time, like peels off her glove, touches her face, says. "Pretty thing. <laughs> And then slowly walks away and the camera, so the camera, like you see Kate's like uh, reaction, which is, I I think Kate's confused what's going on in this scene. So, uh, I mean, we all are a bit, so she's just kind of looking and being like, oh, wow, that happened. And then you see from the behind, Helen McCrory slowly walking away. And then it cuts back to Kate, and suddenly you see Helen with this, you know, her her evil sidekick, and he's like, "We can get the pipes, we can break the pipes, and we can flood the garden." Yeah, she's like, "Do it." And then he's trying to have sex with her, and she's like, "Later." Anyway, cut to flooding the garden. But oh,
1: tell me about it. Lo that. and
0: behold, what does Helen do? You know, oh, she leaves her gloves. So Mateus knows it was her all along when he discovers the flooded garden. It's a, it's a very clumsy sort of thing but it's enjoyable to watch and i wish yeah i but i wish she had like i was hoping for a dangerous dangerous liaison sort of ending where you know she was trying to put on this persona and somehow she realized it was over and she just screamed and she like destroyed everything and i don't know like instead we get this she's lying on the bed and the taste is like honey it's over we're we're over you're over and that—that's all we see
1: of Helen McCrory. <laughs> that's the end of Helen. Well, I think she, besides being friends with Alan Rickman, um, she maybe just signed on because she was pretty thrilled that it, this time a man was getting the role of Horror Number Two. So awesome. I don't know if that's at all true, but it's a fun thought.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure that man has a name in the film, but I yeah, can't tell you what it was. And um, so, no, a little chaos was a little fun, but I would have liked a little more fun. <laughs> oh, and there's the strap line. Um... <laughs> I know calling a film a little any little chaos it sounds. I'm surprised. I'm sure maybe oh, there was. A I know they like, must have known they were chaos.
1: they were going like. Twee, like, how can we make this twee more twee? Let's call it a little chaos. It's a story about gardening and romance. A little chaos, like, oh, come on. But I, I'm I enjoyed it. Um, so there's that.
0: <laughs> and then, did you watch their finest? Because Helen, I didn't
1: rewatch again... it. I didn't re watch it. I've seen I have seen their finest, but I didn't revisit.
0: And do you do you remember Helen's part in it at all? I remember that she is like a
1: studio head or a producer i remember her being quite glamorous in it that's that's all i can muster
0: oh yeah she's she's super glam she's this um i think german don't know and um, um, her her brother played by eddie Marzane, um, has died and she takes over his agency so she is and um, the agent of uh bill nighy who plays an actor and she is really fun she's really powerful she like kind of throws her weight around tells him what to do
2: i hope i share some of my brother's qualities mr ambrose i do not however share his sentimental attachments i will not keep unprofitable clients on the books
0: their finest is an, is a bit like a little chaos in that some of it is quite clumsy but i think it has a lot of heart i really i was I was really glad to rewatch that. Um, it's
1: good. I remember It's charming.
0: Again, it's nostalgic about film. And and I quite like Gemma Arterton in it. Um, I'm surprised she herself hasn't been, like had more opportunities to be a leading actor. Um, but then I can't remember in anything else. So that might be there. And to be honest, I would have forgotten she was in their finest. Because it is like such an ensemble film. Sure. No, she has had good. She has had good on their moments elsewhere, but yeah, but no,
1: she is. She, I remember her being pretty good in this.
0: Yeah, it was all in all very good, and um, and loving Vincent. I mean, I did you watch that? No,
1: I I would be interested to, but I mean it does it does look like a like you're gonna going on a 10 hour car journey and looking out the window the whole time and you're sort of asking to be a bit queasy right? It's a bit strange
0: yeah it's, it's kind of a it's a queasy um sort of experience oh it, it's interesting like it's admirable <laughs> yeah. what they did like so it's loving Vincent is you know it's a film about Vincent van Gogh which is also um Hoch. Vincent van Gogh. Okay, and so this episode will just be full of um me anyway doing really bad vers uh, saying bad um. Oh, I don't um, think many people say more,
1: um, but there you go.
0: Well, well, it's about that Vincent and his, and it's all done like his paintings, and it's very. I don't know. it, it is a very disorientating thing to watch after a while, and it's it's not the story is a, is not. Amazing. Um and Helen plays kind of a mother, again a gatekeeper to see a Sharonin, um, who the protagonist wants to speak to. And it's there's not much really going on for Helen okay. there, which is a real shame. Like, so it's very hard like to look beyond, you know, really the Queen and Hugo as like proper roles for her in a film. I mean, she was a lead in a film called Flying Blind, which I have seen, but okay. You know, I, I'm not sure. Sh- That's probably not hitting the same register as something like Hugo or The Queen, or, or no, certainly not
1: prolific. No, no, no. Anything she certainly had um, meatier parts in much smaller films, but um, they ain't the best necessarily. So you're right enough. But yeah, here we go again with someone who's it just brings a lot with with nothing really.
0: No, it is really interesting, and like so, I've been really lucky to have seen her quite a lot in theatre. I've seen her three times at the National Theatre in Last of the Housemans, which was a new play by Stephen Beresford, who, um, for film is famous for Pride, writing that script. Oh right, um, And okay. She was in that with uh, Rory Kinnear and Julie Walters, and um, she was brilliant in that as this quite frustrated uh, sister and daughter, um. It's Kind of like a cherry orchard check off, sort of ripoff, might is a really unpleasant word to use for it, but it's sort of the same vein. And um, but then Medea, where she played Medea, was incredible. And um, directed by Carrie Cracknell, and who also did the Deep Blue Sea. And it's the Deep Blue Sea where I mean, she like blew me out of the water. I thought that was that's one of my favorite performances I've seen on stage ever. Um, <laughs> and I re, why are you laughing? <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking of
1: your really fun use of imagery there, talking about um, the deep blue sea (laughs) and blowing you out of the
0: water. (laughs) Well, so she literally blew us out of the water.
1: Yeah, I just saw uh, the uh, National Theatre live uh, version when it was released during the... uh, coronavirus pandemic they made it available and I was so glad I did like th- th- that's where it's like whoa this yeah why are we not giving her roles all over the place um and I guess I, that's probably why TV's all over it because hey they're doing a lot with her but y- wow yeah my goodness she's she's amazing
0: and and before we go on about like what we want for her or what like how we imagine her career progressing from this point um I have a few questions for you. Oh, wow. Bring them to me. And I, I, I'm going to assume, rightly or wrongly, that Helen is listening. And if you do not get these correct, she'll be at your house and she'll demand an apology.
1: That's fine. But then she'll drop her glove and
0: I'll have a report. She'll flood your house. She'll, She'll, co- my, She'll touch you tell, you, tell you you've got a nice face, and then flood your house. And okay. <laughs> that's, what dreams um, me that's me your of. prize. Imagine, your claim to fame is Helen McCrory flooded your garden. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I
1: flooded my garden about three or four times whilst watching Helen, so it's only fitting.
0: Ooh, <laughs> Nasty. Anyway, swiftly, um... Uh, so the first question is what did Helen forget when she presented an award at the 2019 TV BAFTAs what did she
1: forget when she present um presented an award what could she have forgotten if she's presenting an award i've not seen this so let me have a think about it um she forgot her glasses
0: I'll accept it. I mean, I'm being very pedantic, but her right glasses. So she arrived, she came on stage with the usual sort of like personality and flair as you would expect of, of, a, of a movie star uh, who, even if she doesn't have movies, she didn't remember her reading glasses.
2: It's always an honour to present this evening, which is why I would think I'd remember my right glasses. But I haven't, ladies and gentlemen. So excuse me while I read the autocue.
0: She read the prompter <laughs> with sunglasses on and oh the audience loved it. She, she is a star. like She has star quality. Yeah, so, she does. Yeah. She does have star quality. And uh, speaking of which, who um, mistook Helen McCrory when they were visiting backstage when Helen was on Broadway?
1: <laughs> oh, yes. I know this one from Helen's Desert Island Discs.
0: That would be Lauren Bacall. That is correct. Lauren Recall came back to see, uh, someone else, um, and, uh, <laughs> mistakenly came to Helen McCrory's room. Um, but Helen played it off with her usual flair said, thank you, Miss Hepburn. I loved you in Philadelphia story. <laughs> and apparently the two were chums ever more. And finally, what did the queen congratulate Helen for when they met?
1: Uh, okay. So the queen, the Queen congratulates Helen for her oh I hope it's not something really dull for your work on the
0: theatre no but she did get no B for that but I'm 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 sure (laughs) no she got um, she congratulated her for her curtsy so oh a knowing wink yeah Helen was um... oh that didn't even occur to me and I don't think it occurred to Helen McCrory either I hope she is listening But it's because of a little chaos, she was learning how to curtsy like a 17th century curtsy an old-fashioned thing. And Helen, I mean, again, if you want to believe, I believe these things. You have even more cynical uh, perspective, perhaps. But Helen did this 17th century elaborate curtsy for the Queen. And apparently one of her Ladies in waiting said the queen hasn't seen that in however long and loved it and da, da, da.
1: oh my god no it's from it was from doing it badly for Cherie that she absolutely knocked out of the park for the big lady herself good work Helen do we think the queen watched the queen yeah apparently she did I remember at the time it came out she met. Well, obviously she she gave Helen Mirren a, a damehood, but I'm pretty sure they like met after the film was made. There was a screaming of it. I do remember all of this, so she did watch it. But now I'm really puzzled thinking about that. Thinking of the Queen watching the Queen because it it doesn't look kindly on her.
0: I'd just if I fight with the Queen. I'd be like I do not walk like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the main that would takeaway. be my that would be my main takeaway. Um. So I don't oh you got Lauren McCall, but that's because you did your homework. Um I'm that's gonna be fair. very Helen McCrory about it, um, or her persona on screen and be like, you don't deserve anything for that. I'm okay, not putting out you. the Bunton for that. Oh sugar. <laughs> oh well. I tried. So I hope you have enjoyed us looking back on Helen's filmography and then um doing would you say all right in the quiz, Scott? <laughs> your performance uh i don't know how happy helen no was i'm like pretty it.
1: sure that was no no a, not a good achievement on my part
0: but um we are now recording this afresh now in august 2021 um and we're going to talk about what are what we would recommend you seek out to get more of helen McCrory. so what would you be recommending people to seek out scott um, in terms of kind
1: of what we've spoken about in this episode, I think it's clear that Hugo is sort of the standout in her film career. It gives her a lot to do. It gives her a very important part that she deserves. Kind of, She becomes the, you know, she's the turning point of the film she's a catalyst of kind of the film moving forward and and i like that for her and she does a really good job in the film and she's she's very warm and lovely in the film and it's just a great one to go back and watch anyway so i would point people towards hugo and otherwise it's it it's a shame obviously everything that's happened this year has happened at the peak of a very exciting career. I do truly think that things were going to be moving up and up uh, from here. And we were especially seeing that, in my opinion, with her work on television at the moment. Last year, one of my favorite shows during the lockdown was Quiz, uh, the show about who wants to be a millionaire. And she gets to play um, the defense, lawyer in the third episode of Quiz, and she does a wonderful job, and she proves exactly why she should be hired all of the time, and And it was a wonderful thing. So I would push people towards Quiz, but yeah, just lots of exciting TV stuff. You could, you could go and watch a handful of, of stuff at the moment. Uh, otherwise, I would point you towards her work in... Kind of her national theatre productions, um, in terms of what's available, Michael, you might be able to give more insight on this.
0: Well, at the moment, it seems like Medea, um, where she plays the uh, a woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown who murders her children, And um, that is available at National Theatre at Home, which is their the National Theatres or of Great Britain's streaming service um which is a great production but the the show which i'm like obsessed with with helen mccrory and i was lucky to have seen quite a few with the productions with her was the deeply Sea, the terence radigan play and which was available on national theater at home and now isn't so i'm hoping they'll put that back online so keep an eye on that or you know i don't encourage um illegally streaming but if you can find it somewhere do Dude, it's worth
2: it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it is. I, I, I echo that, that. Her performance in The Deep Blue Sea is as good as you probably can watch on screen. So if you can get, um, or obviously if you were there to see it on stage, then yes. But you can see a really good version of it. And it plays very well on, on screen too, actually. Yeah,
0: definitely. You'll never, I, and I will never ever be hooked by somebody cooking a meal on stage quite the same way as I was in that theater watching Helen McCrory Aww. fry an egg like that will that I feel so blessed to have witnessed that and and so much more but it's yeah. like it's a whole package of what she was doing on stage in that and so many things and and on film like we've talked about Helen will as I'm sure we've kind of touched on many
1: times in this episode anyway but she will be remembered as an electrifying performer who always brings just so much, so much energy. She is magnetic to watch all the time. She is one of few who can do what she does in terms of just having you in the palm of their hand. Um, And yes, celebrate a wonderful performer by watching all of these delightful things. And I even push you towards her episode of Desert Island Discs, which actually Mm -hmm. only came out during the lockdown last year and her reflecting specifically on her memories of childhood and her parents and her husband and all of these things. It's really wonderful and vibrant. And and she does it with so much joy that it is a pleasure to listen to. So I'd also push people that way too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, a huge, huge loss. Um, But yeah, what she has given us is terrific
1: is terrific um and we will always remain massive fans and we're so glad that we had the chance to chat about her and reflect on some of these films um and shows and everything so always grateful thank you helen
0: so scott where can people find us
1: okay so if you want to drop us a line send us your thoughts you can do so by email at don't know her pod at gmail.com but you can also find us on Instagram or Twitter at don't know her underscore pod.
0: Yes and please do review, rate us. and um, that's always really helpful for other people to find us. And if you really want to share us on. Even just share us to one person, it's really helpful um, to get us out there. For sure. Thank you, Scott, and thank you to everyone listening and joining us for this special episode about a very special actor. Agreed. Thanks,
1: Michael. Bye-bye-bye.
0: Bye.